Hello everyone, Mark here from Casting Through Ancient Greece, bringing you a teaser from the latest bonus episode over on Patreon. If you like what you hear and want to support the series, you can head over to Patreon to support Casting Through Ancient Greece, where you'll gain access to the full version of this episode, plus many others. Hello everyone, and thank you for the support here on Patreon, and welcome back to another bonus episode, Mycenaean Aftermath. Last episode, we took a closer look at the collapse of the Bronze Age, with more of a focus on the Mycenaeans. In that episode, we highlighted the many ideas behind what had caused Mycenaean civilization to collapse. This saw us taking into account a number of ideas that have all, in one way or another, been at the heart of the Bronze Age collapse theories over history. Most of these theories would come forth with the development of modern archaeology that would show signs of tangible evidence. What would be focused on was the destructions that appear all over Greece around the same period, seeing the theories of invaders and natural disasters coming to the forefront to explain the disappearance of the Mycenaeans. Though, as research progressed, other theories would begin to emerge such as those revolving around climate change, trade, famine and disease. A pattern would begin to emerge that would show one theory may well be relevant for one site, but appear to be unrelated to another. This would then lead into more modern thinking around the question of the collapse, and that a more complex explanation was needed to explain what was happening over 3,000 years ago. This would view the collapse as a multifaceted problem with many interconnecting factors taking place, with the consequences in one region spilling over and affecting other regions in different ways, compounding the stresses of the civilization. These stresses would ultimately see other factors be brought about, such as internal strife, and finally a systems collapse, in such a highly centralised society. For this episode, we are going to continue with the Mycenaean collapse, but we'll be looking around the question of what happened to the Mycenaeans once the collapse had taken hold. This will see us looking at what the world now began to look like in Greece, as a distinctive Mycenaean culture had disappeared. Speaking of their disappearance, we'll also turn to the question of what happened to the people who made up this culture. With us looking at signs of continuity in Greek lands, even though their old societies had vanished. Though, this will also see us looking at questions to do with invaders and migrations into Greek lands and those exiting. So let's now get to the episode and begin by looking at what the regions in Greece were looking like with the collapse of the old Mycenaean palace societies. The collapse of the Mycenaeans is seen to have taken place somewhere around the year 1200 BC, but its effects would play out for some generations afterwards. This would see a distinctive decline in Mycenaean culture to where it would become a memory of the past only kept alive in the oral storytelling tradition that we have come down to us today in the epic cycles, Homer's work being one. With the collapse of the centralised palace centres, we'd see the disappearance of two very distinct aspects of Mycenaean culture, architecture and writing. Cyclopean walls had been seen to be a part of just about every Mycenaean palace site. These coined Cyclopean due to the blocks being cut so large that only the Cyclops could have moved them. The walls are no longer a feature post-collapse, as there was no longer a centralised authority to pay for and organise work on this scale anymore. Linear B had become the script of the Mycenaeans, though it was more of a record-keeping tool, rather than one recording stories. Without the bureaucracy of the palace centres, the script had no use in a world now arranged around a more tribal society. On the ground in the various regions, the once powerful palace centres like Mycenae were but a shell of their former self. These centres would see reoccupation in the years following the destructions, but nothing on the scale of the century before. 
while some sites that had been powerful palaces during the Mycenaean times would be abandoned and never reoccupied, such as Pylos over on the west coast of the Peloponnese. As well as these changes around the old palace sites, some other noticeable changes can be detected in the archaeological record. Firstly, there was a noticeable decrease in the population in Greek lands following the collapse. Although the old palace centres would become refuges for the post-Mycenaean populations, there would be a scattering of smaller settlements throughout the regions than what had been seen before, with perhaps more familial groups breaking away and re-establishing themselves in the new world. Secondly, with this scattering of smaller settlements, there would also be new locations that would see higher concentrations of people than what they had seen during Mycenaean times. With many of these areas not having been centres of power in the Bronze Age, it seems likely that they were not affected by the various disasters that took place. In the aftermath of the collapse, they would prove to provide a safe haven to those fleeing the ravaged lands of the Old World. And thirdly, what can also be seen in these newly arranged settlements and larger populations is not only the old Mycenaean populations fleeing to new safer centres, but amongst them would be signs of foreign populations that had also moved into Greek lands. This doesn't appear to be an organised invader, but perhaps other populations of other lands having fled or migrated into Greece. There would not appear to be an outside culture brought into Greek lands, but these two groups would seem to develop their own distinct culture that we now recognise as ancient Greek. So this brings us to our first point on what happened to the Mycenaeans themselves. As we can see here, a core part of the people did remain in Greek lands, reoccupying old palace centres, seeking shelter in new centres or establishing new smaller settlements. This reorganising would also be taking place with the emergence of outside people moving into Greek lands. In the past, the sign of a new foreign presence had been associated with the Dorian invasion that had also been seen to explain the collapse of the Mycenaean culture, though as we have pointed out before, there appears to be no sudden replacement of an outside culture. These interactions would lead to something new and distinct. It would appear this migration of foreigners would be a result of continued Indo-European migrations that had been taking place in the lands north of Greece, now filtering further south with the collapse of the Mycenaeans. The other possibility could be other lands that had also suffered a collapse further to the north may now have been seeking new safer lands to occupy, or we could be seeing a mixture of the two taking place. Indo-European migrations have been seen as taking place up around in the Balkans north of Greece, even before the rise of Mycenaean civilization, It has been often thought that some of these populations may have filtered down into Greek lands helping give rise to the Mycenaeans themselves. Since this time, more Indo-European migrations would have been continuing to take place throughout Eastern Europe and the Balkans. Remembering the Indo-Europeans were not one group of people, they were a collection of cultures with a common root language. The flow of Indo-Europeans into Greece during the Bronze Age and beyond has been a difficult series of events to follow as it doesn't appear to be just one path into Greece, with multiple arrivals seeming to have taken place over the thousands of years or so. These have given a picture of new populations coming in from the north of Greece, from the Balkans, while other evidence has shown there also appears to be a path entering into Anatolia before crossing over the Aegean into Greek lands. To further muddy the waters, there is also an indication that there also may be a source of migration coming from the Aegean islands, which may have first originated in the Balkans or Anatolian coast. It is probably the case that all of these routes and migrations took place at some stage throughout the Bronze Age, which had led to a confusing picture around Indo-European migrations into Greece compared to other regions. Though as the Bronze Age had come to an end, it was clear there were new populations appearing in Greek lands alongside the survivors of the Mycenaean collapse. 
Current thinking sees the most likely source of this latest migration coming from the Balkan region. Well, that's my teaser of what's happening over on Patreon. You can also find the full version to this episode, plus other episodes where I've been focusing on the very early history of Greece. These episodes have allowed me to look back to where my series started and focus on topics in isolation and in more detail than I'd gone into before. I'm also open to members helping drive the direction of these episodes with suggestions of what they would like to see covered. New episodes come out in the first week of every month and are exclusive to members to show my appreciation for their supporting the series. If you've also been enjoying the series and would like to show your support, you can head over to Patreon at the Casting Through Ancient Greece page. Alternatively, you can discover many ways to support the series over on my website at www.castingthroughancientgreece.com and click on the Support the Series button. Thank you for listening and supporting the series. I look forward to hopefully seeing you over on Patreon and engaging with you over there.